Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today. We're going to be covering some election results. Also, Bob Levy is the former chairman of the Cato Institute and new senior fellow emeritus in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about campaign finance uh, reform and the Supreme Court. Uh, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and I will be making a deep dive into the elections together uh, this morning as well. It is November the 9th, and on this day in 1938, an event that would foreshadow the Holocaust, German Nazis launched a campaign uh, of terror against Jewish people in their homes and businesses in Germany and Austria. The violence would continue through uh, November the 10th and was later dubbed Kristallnacht, or Night of Broken Glass, after the countless smashed windows of Jewish-owned establishments left approximately 100 Jews dead, 7,500 Jewish businesses damaged, and hundreds of synagogues, homes, schools, and graveyards vandalized. An estimated 30,000 Jewish men were arrested, many of whom were sent to concentration camps for several months. They were released when they promised to leave Germany, Kristallnacht, represented a dramatic escalation of the campaign started by Adolf Hitler in 1933 when he became chancellor to purge Germany of its Jewish population. The Nazis used the murder of low-income and low-level German diplomat in Paris by a 17-year-old Polish Jew as an excuse to carry out the Kristallnacht attacks. On November the 7th, 1938, Ernest von Roth was shot outside the German embassy by Herschel Gritspan who uh, wanted revenge for his parents' sudden deportation from Germany to Poland, along with tens of thousands of other Polish Jews. Uh, Following von Rath's death, Nazi propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels ordered German stormtroopers to carry out violent riots disguised as spontaneous demonstrations against Jewish citizens. Local police and fire departments were told not to interfere. In the face of the devastation, some Jews, including entire families, died by suicide. In the aftermath of Kristallnacht, the Nazis blamed the Jews and fined them a billion marks, or about $400 million in 1938 dollars, for von Rath's death. As repayment, the government seized Jewish property and kept insurance money owed to the Jewish people. In its quest to create a master Aryan race, the Nazi government enacted further discriminatory policies that essentially excluded Jews from all aspects of public life. Over 100,000 Jews fled Germany <clears throat> for other countries after Kristallnacht. The international community was outraged by the violent events of uh, November 9th and 10th. And some countries broke off diplomatic relationships in protest, but the Nazis suffered no serious consequences, leading them to believe they could get away with mass murder. That was the Holocaust, in which an estimated 6 million European Jews died. Unbelievable. Do you see traces of this around the world going on right now, this kind of discrimination against some dual system of justice? Just goes to show that history can repeat itself if we don't pay attention. Well, before we start to talk about elections, let's talk about Tropical Storm Nicole. It grew even stronger overnight with sustained winds now at 70 miles an hour. And according to the latest advisory for the National Hurricane Center, on the forecast track, the center of Nicole is expected to make landfall along the east coast of Florida within the hurricane warning area tonight at about at a hur- as a hurricane or category one hurricane with winds of 75 miles an hour. Nicole Center is then forecast to move across central and northern Florida into southern Georgia Thursday and Thursday night, and then into Carolinas Friday. Hurricane conditions are expected across the portion of Florida beginning this evening. A dangerous storm surge is expected along with much of the east coast of Florida and portions of coastal Georgia. It's a large storm with hazards extending well into the north and the center. Uh, point being right now is even though we're not in the cone here in uh, the Paradise Coast, 
we can expect uh, all kinds of storm types of effects, strong winds and so forth. Uh, so when you mention storm surge, I don't know about you, but it concerns me because we lost a couple of cars in the last storm surge in Ian. So uh, I've got to be careful about what's what's going to happen. Be mindful. Collier County is one of the counties that's being warned by the governor's office to uh, take care. Well, President Trump uh, released a summary list of his activities this election cycle to help MAGA candidates win their elections. He's been pretty darn busy. He, uh, President Donald J. Trump has endorsed over 330 candidates this election cycle. President Trump hosted 30 rallies across 17 states over the past 18 months, just four in this past weekend. President Trump hosted over 50 in-person fundraisers in support of candidates for re-election. He delivered remarks to over 60 tele-rallies and automated calls in support of Republicans. President Trump raised nearly $350 million this election cycle for Republican candidates and party committees. Uh, Make America Great Again Incorporated, the main super PAC for President Donald Trump, has spent $116.4 million in five weeks to support the U.S. Senate, gubernatorial, attorney general races across the country. And you compare this list of helping Americans get on the right path to Biden's list of destruction. It's pretty darn impressive. I would just conclude that uh, President Trump has done his part when it comes to supporting candidates uh, for making America great again. In contrast, the White House called a press lid during the 11 11 a.m. hour on Tuesday, fueling speculation the President Joe Biden might not offer any comments about House, Senate, and gubernatorial races taking place nationwide. Uh, Even after the respective polls closed on election night, media lids typically involve the President cutting off public appearances on a particular day. After campaigning Monday in Maryland, Biden told reporters, I'm feeling optimistic, but I'm always optimistic about the Democrat Party chances. He added, don't forget to vote. During the last few weeks, Biden's reference to America's democracy being at stake for the midterm elections. He's also characterized the Trump supporting wing of the Republican Party as dangerous in previous speeches. However, since neither Biden nor former President Donald Trump were formally on the ballot, There is a tangible look of uh, what's at stake in the House. The Democrats currently have an eight-seat advantage over Republicans. That's before uh, yesterday's election. Over Republicans, 220 to 212, with the remaining three seats being vacant. According to 538, which tracks the various political races nationwide, the Republicans have an 84% chance of reclaiming the House majority. The Senate is deadlocked at 50 seats apiece with Vice President Kamala Harris, Breaking all ties, 538 lists the Republicans' chance of winning back the chamber at 59%. 36% uh, gubernatorial races were decided this election day. At present, there are 28 sitting Republican governors in the uh, United States, compared to only 22 Democrat governors. So what have been the results? Well, it's not a red tsunami. It looks like a GOP will win the House and maybe the Senate. It's, uh, we were expecting a, certainly a much more... Uh, better results uh, from the Republican Party. Results are still trickling in, and we don't know the final results. In Collier County school board races, for example, challengers Jerry Rutherford, Kelly Lichter, and Tim Mosher have been elected to the Collier County school board. They have also decided victories with Rutherford winning 65%, Lichter at uh, 58%, Mosher at uh, 60%. Governor DeSantis, of course, won by a landslide, nearly by 20%. Byron Donalds has an equally impressive victor, victory, retaining his congressional seat in District 19. Marco Rubio retains his Senate seat, defeating Val Demings. They put up $25 million to support her candidacy, and it didn't work. He won by a large margin. And Chris Hall becomes our Collier County Commissioner here in District 2. Florida's always been considered a purple toss-up state, meaning it's a combination of Democrats and Republicans too hard to call. Well, it's now a red state. Uh, results across the nation have are mixed. We'll examine the results with uh, Professor Andrew Joppa just a little later in the show. Well, U.S. Uh, Department of Justice workers are not allowed inside polling locations in Florida. That's been made official. Brad McVeigh, general counsel for the Florida Department of State, told DOJ election official John Roos, or Russ that Florida law does not permit 
DOJ monitors to be stationed inside of polling places after the DOJ announced it would monitor compliance with federal voting laws in three Florida counties. Earlier today, the Florida Department of State received copies of your letters to Miami-Dade and Broward counties in which you seem to indicate the Department of Adjustments will send monitors inside polling places in these counties. We also understand you sent a similar letter to Palm Beach County. That uh, was in the letter from McVeigh. But Department of Justice monitors are not permitted under Florida law, he wrote. Florida law lists uh, people who can enter a polling room or place uh, DOJ personnel are not included on this list. So uh, smack down a little bit to the Department of Justice, although they're apparently they're going they're in several uh, places across the country. As Arizonans continue to run their, into issues in Maricopa County while trying to vote, Maricopa County officials gave an update saying that trying to fix ongoing issues with their tabulators as quickly as possible. The update, here we are with these machines again. I think we ought to get rid of the machines and just have ballot counts by hand. The update from officials comes at more, uh, as more reports of malfunctioning voting machines emerge in Arizona County. One poll worker was seen, seen telling a voter nothing is working for the last half hour and reiterated the statements made by the county officials. Bill Gates is the chairman of the Collier Board of Supervisors of the County Board of Supervisors and County Recorder Richard Richter provided an update to Twitter as the complications and tabulating machines are currently facing. We've already had more than 44,000 people show up this morning, check in and being available to vote, and things are going great out there, he said. I would say perhaps misleading the press there. But there's one thing that we wanted to address to make people aware of today, and that is to do with our tabulators. We've got about 20% of the locations out there where there's an issue with the tabulator or some of the ballots that uh, after people have voted them, they try and run them through the tabulator, and they're not going through, he said. So uh, Gates continued to say that these officials are trying to fix this issue as quickly as possible. Now, here's the concern. You've got... People in line. Many Republicans decided they would wanted to vote on Election Day. Well, now they're standing in line. If they're in line by 7 p.m. Pacific time, uh, they will be able to vote. Now, of course, if you're having them stand in line for hours on end in order to cast that vote, that is called, uh, in my opinion, voter suppression. So is this on purpose or is this just uh, plain incompetence on the part of uh, Katie uh, Hobbs and the uh, members of, she, of course, is the the uh, not the supervisor of election, but the uh, she's in charge of the elections now, which is kind of curious too because she's on the ballot and she's the umpire as well as the candidate. So uh, she, she's the uh, if you can't put the ballot in the tabulator, you simply place it there and you see the numbers. The point being is that uh, there's problems in Maricopa County again. They haven't been solved and. Uh, it's going to have an impact. That's one of the most important elections, of course, uh, with uh, the uh, the candidates. Blake, uh, uh, I've forgotten his name now. Blake Masters uh, running for Senate. And, uh, of course, uh, the great Kerry uh, uh, Lake running for uh, governor. So we'll see how this all turns out. We're not going to see results probably today because of all the problems they've had there. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, chairman, former chairman of the Cato Institute and now constitutional scholar emeritus at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. 
What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. <clears throat> and now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is the former chairman of the Cato Institute and now constitutional scholar uh, emeritus uh, in Constitutional Studies at the uh, Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in D.C. and devoted to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Well, thank you uh, for that, Bob. We're going to talk a little bit about campaign finance reform under the really the, the sole topic of the expansion of federal government since the New Deal, uh, based in, in, in many cases because of the Supreme Court decisions that have been made. And campaign finance reform, I think we spent something like $9 billion on the on these this just midterm election. So are there campaign contributions or expenditures that should be illegal? Yeah, uh, I think misuse of a government office, like if you favor a donor who's seeking government contracts or government services, uh, that breaches the uh, official's fiduciary responsibility to his constituents. Um, Also, payoffs to a candidate uh, that are secretly contributed and then spent on personal pleasures, you know, like a new car or a trip. Uh, But when a candidate, and this is what usually happens when a candidate fully discloses a donation and indeed even puts the money into a segregated fund that can only be used for a favored political expression, then I don't think that can be called corruption. Uh, the First Amendment is not a loophole. Uh, it does not allow treating advocacy as if it was the same thing as a bribe. And, and that's what the court, the Supreme Court, did in the case we discussed last week, McConnell uh, versus FEC, that happily has been overturned. Yeah. In the first case, though, I mean, you see these massive contributions from Pfizer, for example. I mean, they're simply they are buying influence for crying out loud. I mean, that, that even though it goes into a segregated fund and so forth, the Pfizer's responsible for uh, helping them get elected. And the quid pro quo, of course, is supporting anything that uh, comes down the pike that that they like. Well, first, uh, Pfizer and, and 
for that matter, any corporation or labor union cannot contribute under current law as much as a dollar uh, to a candidate. What they can do is they can spend the money themselves independently and uh, finance ads, mostly yeah. through super PACs, <clears throat> as long as they don't coordinate those ads with the candidate or with the candidate's party. So there are really no direct contributions by corporations and labor unions uh, to candidates. And I think it's fair to say that what usually happens is not that money goes to influence where a candidate stands, but rather where the candidate stands influences who's willing to put up money. Mm. So typically I find some politician that I like, and that's where I donate my money. It's not with the uh, expectation that by donating my money, I'm going to influence what it is that he likes. And of course, if there were proof of that process the wrong way, that is money influencing the candidate, then that could uh, be culpable under the bribery laws. Wow, interesting. Well, thank you for that clarification. Some people say the First Amendment relates to speech, not to the expenditure of money. Is money the same thing as speech? No, it's not speech. But, you know, if the if the expenditure is for the exclusive purpose of generating speech, then it's, it's so uh, entwined with the resulting speech that it should be protected to the same extent as the speech is protected. Mm -hmm. So, you know, exercising the right to speak almost always costs money, <clears throat> especially if you want to reach a large uh, audience. And the right to, to speak then necessarily includes the right to pay for the speech, just as like the right to legal counsel uh, includes the right to hire a lawyer and the right to free exercise religion uh, includes the right to contribute to uh, your church. So it, it, in each of those cases, the expenditure of the money is protected, not because money is speech or money is a lawyer or money is uh, religion, but rather because spending money is part of the exercise of the right to speak and to have legal counsel and to exercise uh, religious freedom. And government limits on spending for speech necessarily is going to restrict uh, the freedom of the speech itself. Or at least the amplification of the, of the words for, Indeed, for yes. being heard. So isn't there still a problem with big companies and corporations exercising improper influence on the political process? Well, you know, currently there are no limits on how much George Soros or Mike Bloomberg or Bill Gates can spend of their own money on political advertising. So the question then is why shouldn't you and I be able to match them by joining forces uh, through an entity like a corporation uh, mm. that expresses the policy preferences that we that we favor. And if one or more shareholders don't agree with those preferences, they have an obvious remedy. You know, they can, they can sell their stock. Uh, meanwhile, the government has rarely been able to prove that there's actual corruption from these campaign uh, contributions. And when there's proof, there are plenty of criminal laws already on the books. Mm -hmm. um, instead, <clears throat> to justify these campaign regulations, the government now insists, the courts now insist, that we have to prevent not corruption, but the appearance of corruption. And in my view, that just doesn't work. Uh, mere suspicions are no basis for ignoring uh, the First Amendment. Half of our states have minimal campaign finance laws, mm -hmm. and those states... There's no indication that they're any more corrupt than the other states. So typically, as I mentioned to you, it's, it's not the money that affects the candidate's position. It's the position uh, that attracts uh, the money. And the, the real reason for these restrictions that we have is not to prevent corruption. It's to protect the guy who's already in office. If you restrict ads, you restrict the ability of these challengers to come along and defeat some of the current office holders. And that's why we have these guys in office for years and years and years, in part because they're not term limited. Interesting. So bottom line, what should we do about huge campaign expenditures? Well, there, there are unintended consequences when, when you try to uh, disallow these expenditures. Uh, one is that candidates are forced to spend... Uh, excessive amount of time soliciting small donations rather than doing what they were elected to do, which is to serve their constituents. And the second is you get the 
incentivizing effect of extreme views, views that appeal to small and gullible and radical donors who frequent some of the more suspect sites on social media. Mm -hmm. And you see that in people, in my view, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is a fundraising phenomenon, and she certainly would not be, you know, were, and would be even more so, in fact, if we had donations, campaign large donations, restricted, because her donations come uh, through mass appeal to the through social media in small quantities. So I think, I think the right answer to these expenditures is either more speech or ultimately, if the existing system doesn't work, uh, then we need a constitutional amendment. Um, money is just a symptom. So the government has wormed its way into every aspect of our lives, and we have this regulatory state and redistributive state, and it creates huge incentives for big bucks to try to influence. There's a big money problem only because there's a big government problem. Mm-hmm. So if we if we cut government down to size, we didn't have government doing everything under the sun, uh, we could indeed minimize whatever uh, influence big money has. And we, we need to restore that framer's notion of enumerated and delegated and limited uh, federal powers and get government out of our lives and out of our wallets and that, I think, is the best way to end any ills of the uh, campaign finance system and root out whatever corruption might exist. And so deal with the uh, cause, not the symptoms. Well, yes, indeed. Thank you, Bob. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Again, the, the website is cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, thank you so much for your commentary here on the show. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets and find out more. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bad morning, Bob. Well, you know, you, we usually start off with good news in our <laughs> interviews on Wednesday. You know, I woke up this morning, I felt so de- uh, deflated. I just didn't, I had higher expectations for the quote-unquote red tsunami or red wave. 
It's just maybe. Yeah, a- I, you know, to put it that way, it makes it sound like it's purely a political issue. My expectation was that the American people would understand what we've gone through for the past two years. They would have understood the corruption of the FBI and the and the misuse of the American justice system. They would have understood the the lies and slanders of the media. That they would have understood something, but apparently uh, there's no indication other than Florida, perhaps, Bob, that anyone understood what happened during the last two years. You know, what you're saying is absolutely true. It looks to me like uh, the public decided, well, you know what, we're, we don't like what's going on, but uh, you know, better to, to be with the devil that you know than the ones you don't, and they just decided, to, you know what, I'm just going to stay with what I had and, uh, and move on. Sad well, I mean, that, but by the way, that's the most optimistic thing we can say. I mean, the the perhaps the uh, the the balanced position. I'm not saying your position wasn't balanced, but the balanced position is that they they buy into the Democrat positions. And uh, NBC did an exit poll, and the exit poll. I don't know where they did the exit poll, by the way, but the exit poll that NBC took said that the two major issues uh, affecting voters were abortion uh, and democracy. And so these were the two talking points of the, the media and the Democrats going into the uh, certainly the last couple of weeks, if not the last couple of months before the midterms. And, and uh, judging by that one exit poll only, uh, those were the two major issues that, uh, that uh, caused the, the vote to go for the Democrats. Unbelievable. And, and uh, how do we end up with John Fetterman as a senator in the state of uh Pennsylvania it just makes no sense whatsoever. This guy is just—he's uh, he's so so compromised in terms of his intellectual capacity after his stroke. And uh, Doctor Oz, I mean, I understand that he's perhaps not the most likable guy, but he's intelligent, articulate. Certainly, uh, his as I like to put it, the, his ladder's leaning uh, leaning across uh, against the right wall. Uh, seems to me he should have been the winner, and yet it was you know Fetterman almost—he just blew him out of the water. One of the commentators uh, early this morning, by by the way, uh, indicated that it almost uh, comedically that the reason that uh, Pennsylvania turned against Oz was he was from New Jersey, and Pennsylvania hates New Jersey. Oh. I mean, so <laughs> could it be something as simple as that? On, on the other hand, let, let's reverse the whole Pennsylvania situation. Let's say John Fetterman is a Republican running for the Senate, and Oz is a is a Democrat. Uh, I'm a numbers man for the Senate. Uh, coming into these national elections, I, I go numbers. Would I have voted for a Fetterman Republican? I'm guessing I would have, Bob. So, you know, I, I, can, I can see that many of the Democrats uh, took the same approach that I would have taken for federal elections, Senate, House elections, uh, and I would, have, I would have voted for the party that I thought should uh, control America. Uh, and so essentially, I, uh, I don't know if that was part of the issue, but I have to believe it was part of the issue, Bob. And it's such an interesting point. I mean, it's almost uh, it makes me wonder now and second guess my. I listen to the rhetoric coming from uh, the from Biden, which is so destructive, and calling us uh, calling uh, MAGA the just vicious, awful names and domestic terrorists and so forth. Maybe it worked. It's it's you know I would hate to think that this is what's going on here because again my. Uh, my whole hope was essentially that the American people, based on all the polling and all their uh, projections, uh, had, had realized what was going on in America, what the Biden administration was doing and what the, uh, the Democrat Congress, the, Lib- the House had done uh, and, the, and the Senate over the past two years. Uh, but apparently uh, there's no indication uh, other than Florida, perhaps, but that's too, uh, too anomalistic a situation to say that that is an indication of a general process. Uh, but again, I, uh, I'm, I'm very uh, discouraged with the American people uh, not having a greater cognizance, uh, cog- uh, cognizance of what's taken place over the past two years. Yeah. I think that's a fairly objective position when we look at the economy, we look at the uh, international circumstances that, that we're in and so forth. And with, you know, we, we could run down the whole uh, list of, 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 of negatives as it pertains to the American situation right now. Uh, and that none of that seemed to matter. And if the NBC poll is right, if the the voters actually voted on the basis of abortion and uh, uh, and this this made up issue of uh, democracy being at risk, 
I mean, that is such an indictment of the American people that it's hard to imagine. Well, uh, democracy is at risk. Of course, it's uh, for the opposite reason that uh, Biden says. Absolutely. You know, absolutely indeed. Well, so, uh, you know, what's your prognosis? I'm thinking that we take the House and perhaps end up with uh, 51 to 49 in terms of the Senate. Well, I had uh, published a blog just the night before the the election, uh, and I... uh, laid out four possible uh, circumstances. I had four different prognoses. Uh, one of them was uh, the Republicans take the House with a fairly slim margin, perhaps 20, 220 to 216, which is, you know, at this point, my projection is the Republicans taking a slim majority in the House, and it would be 220 to 216. So that number was right on the nose. Uh, and the Senate goes to the Democrats by either holding at 50-50 or moving to 451-49. Uh, now, that may not co- come to pass, but it certainly looks like 50-50 is going to be the most likely the most likely outcome of this process. Uh, now, to me, uh, as, I, as I wrote in my blog, if that came to pass, it would indicate with all the best it could be offered, the patient that I'm put this into a medical terms has remained generally resistant to the approaches that have been attempted. It has remained as a host for the most serious implications of the leftist disease. And if those numbers that I just gave you hold, we just barely uh, gain a majority in the House and the, the, the Dems maintain control at 50-50 of the Senate, then what I just said is true, that there's been absolutely no uh, statement made by the American people that what the Democrats are and what they've done has any implication in terms of their voting process or their mindsets, Bob. Andy, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'm here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulu B's Diner now is open for dinner 4 to 8 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday. They do serve a great breakfast and lunch. That's where I meet Andy for breakfast, in fact, this Friday, and looking forward to it. But uh, now take a look at the expanded menu. You can uh, visit Lulu B's Diner 4 to 8 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Terrific place uh, uh, under Jerry Holacek's uh, supervision and leadership. We continue the conversation with Andy Joppa. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. 
Good to be with you, Bob. I didn't know about that dinner menu at, at Lulabee's. Uh, we're we're going to have to uh, try that out. Perhaps, right? Absolutely. So uh, let's peel the onion a little bit with, with regard to the outcome. And let's start off with uh, John Fetterman and your comments and thoughts around uh, his late victory in uh, Pennsylvania. You know, as I indicated to you uh, uh, off air, um, if the situation had been reversed in Pennsylvania, Fetterman was a Republican and Oz was a Democrat, uh, and I'm a numbers voter. I, I vote to produce the big numbers in the Senate or the House for federal elections. Then I, I might have cast my vote for Fetterman, and I'm not saying that with pride. I'm not saying that as a, a source of braggadocio. I'm just, I'm just indicating that as a numbers person, I would have voted for Fetterman. Now, the, the commentators don't weave these type of things in. They they want to talk in terms of specific issues and hypotheticals. You know, my hypothetical is very is a very simple, and I think the most obvious one is that many Democrats, just like me or myself, like the, like many Republicans, vote numbers. Mm-hmm. And Fetterman is a number, and it was a critical number for the Democrats to uh, to win in terms of uh, maintaining control of the Senate. Uh, now, in terms of uh, his quality as as a, as a person, um, I don't know much about him, actually, uh, prior to his stroke. Uh, but we, we can see a man that has obviously been seriously damaged, is unable to meaningfully communicate. And, and this man is going to be sitting in the Senate as a number. Mm-hmm. And, and people say, well, he won't have anything to offer. Voters, in many cases, don't care about that when it comes to the federal elections. They want to put a number in the Senate, not a John Fetterman. So I think that's, to a large extent, what, what we saw. Uh, now, would another candidate have been stronger against Against Fetterman in this circumstance, obviously we can create that hypothetical. That maybe, who knows? We we don't know that, but uh, uh, it certainly is a, is an amazing outcome in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, we everyone would have hoped that there would have been a a wiser choice of of candidates, for, I guess, for both parties. In reality, uh, but it looks it, no. It, forget that looks like it's it's over. The, uh, the the race has been awarded to to Fetterman, so that's a a seat in the Senate. So it's a, it's a big seat in the Senate. It may be the one that gives the Democrats a fifty fifty, or maybe even if things go badly for the Republicans, a fifty one forty nine majority as the notes as the votes play out. Uh, returning to Florida, I, I think it's it's at this point a, a total anomaly nationally in terms of uh, in terms of what what happened elsewhere. Uh, elsewhere, there were movements towards uh, Republicans and so forth, but nothing with the with the impact that took right. place in Florida with the uh, incredible pluralities, not only by by Governor DeSantis, but also by uh, by Senator Rubio. Uh, Ron came in at like, I think, a 20 point plurality. And I think uh, uh, Marco came in at like 17 or 18 point plurality. Uh, these are amazing numbers. When we look at the nationwide pluralities, there's nothing that resembles that any place else for either party right. anywhere. Uh, so there's something, and uh, you know, he, I guess we could highlight that, and the commentators would by saying it's the uh, the strong leadership during the COVID and during the hurricane of of Governor DeSantis. But there's more at work here. Uh, I, I I'm not sure what it is. I don't know how to define it. It may be me. It may be you. It may be the the fact that we have a lot of of active, meaningful voices in Florida. Uh, and I think that if you look at the Byron Donald's win in the in the 19th, I think he pulled 70 percent of the uh, of the vote. Uh, so I think in our area that we can focus on, I think the impact is, has been there. And certainly, if, I don't want to have my last comment be seen as, as too much hubris. All I'm saying is that there are a lot of quality conservative voices in Florida that I think have, have, have managed to penetrate uh, the media din and uh, brought in huge numbers for both Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio. Uh, no question. Uh, the other, the other, of course, factor is the uh, demographic demographic shift in Florida. We've had this mass migration from states like uh, New York and uh, New Jersey and so forth coming down to Florida, and it's changed the uh, number of Democrats versus Republicans. The balance has been switched dramatically here in the last couple of years, so uh, that may have had some influence as well. I'm sure it did. Now, in the past, you know, much of that movement from the uh, from New York area, the Northeast, at least, down to Florida, particularly into Miami-Dade, was Democrat. And we saw the numbers as recently as 2020 being, you know, strongly Democrat still in Miami-Dade. So in those two years, to see that Miami-Dade came in with a majority in favor of DeSantis, that was an amazing shift. 
if it was caused entirely by a, a distinct Republican population moving out of the Northeast to this area, uh, that that may account for it. But uh, uh, it's it's hard to imagine. I, I think the one of the negative things I saw, and amazingly so, is that uh, Beto O'Rourke, who was soundly defeated uh, for the governor uh, seat in in Texas, still maintained wins in almost all of the the border counties in Texas, which uh, surprised everyone. Uh, most people thought that the the border counties uh, would have gone for the uh, the one advocating greater and uh, more rigid border controls, Abbott, but they uh, they they favored. Uh, Beto O'Rourke. But yeah. speaking of that, I, I have to believe that this is the last run for Beto O'Rourke. I think finally we'll be <laughs> we'll be rid of this fellow who has never offered much, uh, and I think that that's been exposed in multiple elections right now. In keeping with that basic theme, Stacey Abrams was also, for the second time, soundly defeated, more so, <clears throat> in this election by Kemp. Uh, so again, I think Abrams probably will be out of the out of the political mix going forward but that's uh that's that's very hard to say yeah on georgia um walker i think i heard this correctly although it's hard to imagine only received herschel walker only received eight percent of the african-american vote in georgia wow percent uh which is hard to imagine other than the the black vote has been sustained for the democrats uh, and it's it wasn't just divvied up between the two African-American candidates. Uh, Herschel Walker, I thought, ran a, a good campaign. And by the way, I don't want to indicate that it's over because it's not over. Right. Uh, the libertarian, I think, stole enough. I'm going to say the word stole enough in the figurative sense of stole enough votes from Herschel Walker uh, to have prevented his win at this point. So is it, but I'll tell you what, Bob, these are the same things I was saying for the runoffs in 2020 that the Libertarian vote would come back in in the runoffs for the Republicans, and they, it did not. It did not. So I'm going to project that Walker is going to lose this election. Uh, uh, I think that the Republicans have to hang their hats on uh, a great win by, by J.D. Vance, already done in the, in the, uh, in the bag uh, in Ohio. Uh, and we have Laxalter that is, looks like he's strongly ahead in, uh, in Nevada. Uh, there's still some talk of uh, of Masters still pulling it out against Kelly in, in Arizona. But looking at the numbers, I don't see that as being a, a real possibility, especially in Arizona. Bob. Well, and especially what's going on in Maricopa County. I mean, we have, yes. uh, what's her name? Her, Katie Hobbs, is that her name? I think of the uh, governor's candidate. She's now current secretary yes. of yes. state. Yes. And uh, she's the umpire as well as the candidate in this situation. It's just unbelievable what's going on. And now they're having problems. With, with the machines, needless to say. So, again, more obfuscation and uh, tricks, in my opinion. Well, I, I think both Lake and uh, Lake was defeated by Hobbs, and then Masters are both in, uh, initiating lawsuits in terms of the uh, of those machine problems. Uh, again, it's, it's amazing that after 2020, I think uh, Arizona would have cleaned up its act. But that cleaning up their act presumes that they wanted to clean up their exactly. act. Exactly. Let, let me give my uh, impression uh, when these things happen they don't happen by accident right. they're not just uh, incidental foibles of technology i think there's an intent uh, so I, I i can't prove that obviously uh, i'm not uh, stating that i know something that i don't know uh, but whenever i see something like that especially in arizona with its history i have to feel there was something something inappropriate going on in in arizona well of course in the absence of information here are my suspicions i just genuinely think that, that let's see what we can do to help uh clog up the whole system here on election day because we know that republicans will tend to vote on election day we can have them standing in line maybe they'll give up and go home and we'll start to reduce if it really is a matter of suppression of voters in maricopa county you know, and again, the, I don't know which judge uh, ruled on this. It must have been a uh, Arizona judge ruled that uh, Arizona from Maricopa could not extend its voting uh, period by three hours to uh, to compensate for the the machine glitches that that took place. I, I I don't know why that was not not done. It seemed to be a logical uh, aid to that to that to that problem, but it it didn't happen. So. I don't know whether there's any implication to these suits. Uh, certainly the uh, the suits launched after 2020 went nowhere, uh, and I'm not expecting this this to go anywhere either. So um, I have to project a 50-50 uh, uh, Senate at this point, which is going to be, again, 
uh, a Democrat-controlled Senate. Now, certainly it is a significant uh, factor to have the, uh, the, uh, the control of the House in the hands of the, the Republicans. It all depends, of course, on what action they're willing to take. Uh, I was hoping for a lot of investigations into some of the illegalities, and uh, but there's all the talk says no. You have to move. You have to move beyond that. You've got to get into no. The issues in America, Bob, are ones of corruption, are of, of, of political manipulations, and the media's distortions, and the use of the FBI as a uh, as a political tool of the left. These are the issues. Uh, you know, uh, abortion, even uh, even uh, even the the basic important issues as they're projected are all, in my estimation, Bob, second to the uh, eliminating the corruption in the American federal system. And if that is not addressed, and I think it'll have to be addressed by the House, certainly. Uh, I'm not saying have to be. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying it should be a, 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 a directed uh, directed activity of the House when they come in in 2023. No question. Andy, we're going to take another little break. Can you stick around? Still here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence is one of only 97 restaurants worldwide to receive Wine Spectator's prestigious Grand Award, and they've received it for the eighth consecutive year. Blue Provence Restaurant is temporarily closed for renovations due to damage from Hurricane Ian, and they look forward to serving you again in the near future. In the meantime, you can enjoy their Grand Award-winning wine list with unbeatable prices on more than 2,500 wines by visiting Blue Provence Fine Wines at 1234 8th Street South, Monday through Saturday between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Check out the vast wine selection by visiting Blue Provence on Facebook or visit the easy-to-browse website blueprovencefinewines.com. Visit blueprovencefinewines.com or if you need help, you can call Jacques directly at 239-821-6772. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I listened to uh, Blue Provence's ad just just now. Well, well, apparently they're open now. They're open for dinner. You can uh, go to Blue Provence, uh, make reservations. I didn't realize it would happen so quickly, but just <laughs> so pleased to hear it. So uh, uh, just be on notice that uh, you can enjoy a beautiful and wonderful meal and dinner and dining experience at Blue Provence. Uh Coming, we have with us again Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. So, Andy, uh, just before the election, uh, it looked like uh, the president was making, or President Trump, was making a, a smear, an attack on uh, Ron DeSantis, saying he calling him Ron DeSanctimonious. He then stated yesterday he voted for DeSantis. He also complimented him and spoke to uh, gave him praise on the stage at the rally in Miami. So what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. Uh, I was disappointed in the negative comments by uh, President Trump uh, directed at DeSantis. As you indicated, there were uh, other remarks that were uh, very laudatory. So it's uh, just a personality attribute of Trump to uh, to kid around and, and use phrases that are uh, overinterpreted by the public. So I don't want to I don't want to do that with remarks by by Trump. Although I, I must admit, as I just said, I was disappointed by the negatives directed at DeSantis. Uh, 
Um, I think DeSantis, after his amazing win, and um, amazing in the sense that it was unique in America, in mm-hmm. America, Ron DeSantis's win was the single most unique win of any candidate for either party. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis has emerged as the uh, as the leader, uh, as the figurative leader of the Republican Party. Now, uh, the audience, your audience knows and you know I have been a an absolute committed Trump supporter. I still am. I love this guy. Uh, he did tremendous things for America. Uh, but right now, in, in the next couple of days or, or today even, we're going to hear more and more conversations about a, uh, a confrontation between Ron DeSantis and, and Donald Trump for the presidential nomination in 2024. Now, I... I I don't think anything could be worse for the party and for America than to watch these two giants battling it out for the nomination. I, I, I don't want to see that happen. Uh, I would say that although I think that DeSantis has legitimately emerged as leader of the party, I think if Trump says he wants the nomination and pursues it, I think he, it, we have to support him. Everyone has to support him. Uh, on the other hand, I would at this point, and you know this is not my normal approach, I'd like to have Trump uh, uh, offer his full support for Ron DeSantis' candidacy in 2024, become a strong advocate for that nomination and eventually uh, his election for the presidency. Uh, to me, that is the best-case scenario. Hmm. Uh, but there's... Uh, but, for example, yesterday at the DeSantis acceptance speech when he won the uh, when he won his race, uh, his audience was was, was chanting uh, USA USA. So they were projecting. First of all, they were projecting DeSantis onto a larger uh, playing field. They also started to chant two more years, two more years. And now again, that indicates that they thought he would only be in the governor's chair for two years and then run for the presidency. So there's a strong mindset developing for DeSantis. Mm -hmm. And I know what I know is this, that I I have been a devout Trump supporter. If I'm feeling this way, that Trump should step aside. He's, He's a great man. And I think the great man in Donald Trump should realize where America is. Uh, and we can't have a battle between DeSantis and Trump. Uh, I would like to see President Trump step aside and throw his full support for Ron DeSantis. That is so interesting. I, I've not yet elevated uh, DeSantis to the leader of the party. I mean, I admire him so much, and I'm just so pleased he's our governor. Uh, I'm going to have to process that one, Andy, and think about it a little bit, but uh, you're making an interesting point. And uh, I know that Trump would be great as a kingmaker, in the party, and he has tremendous influence. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe he'd be better off as a as a kingmaker as opposed to uh, president of the United States. I'm just imagining the the, the havoc that the, re- the Democrats would put us through with with Trump as a as a candidate. And I I don't want to let that be a, a causal factor in my in my rejecting a great man because that's uh, the Democrats can't be given that kind of. Uh, of meaning to their to their comments, their absurd comments. Uh, on the other hand, I, I care enormously about America. I, I know Donald Trump cares enormously about America. So I hope he's contemplating what he saw last night himself. I think he saw one of the most amazing uh, victories during any election. By the way, I have to be back away from that positive just for a second. I, I think what we saw last night was probably the strongest showing by an American president uh, during the midterm elections for his first time of office that has ever taken place. Well, that's too strong. That has taken place within many, many, uh, many, many years. In other words, normally the, the president in power during the election has a takes a big hit during the midterms. Joe Biden, Joe Biden had probably the, the, the smallest hit during his midterm elections of, of any president within my memory, at least. Hmm. So I think uh, what that means, again, it, it has to reflect itself uh, on the American people. So I think we have to restore sanity. I think the the Trump candidacy would just create more Democrat insanity than this nation can possibly afford, Bob. And I'm not saying they wouldn't go after DeSantis in a, in, in a significant, malicious manner. Uh, but again, I, I think we have to uh, get back to sanity, and I think DeSantis, in my estimation, is our best path to sanity. Well, so interesting. I, I, my, my personal belief is that uh, uh, irrespective of who the candidate is, the vitriol will be just as strong no matter who it is. So uh, I know we know that, uh, in my opinion, that uh, Trump can take it and keep on moving on. 
But you know what? The pressure is just enormous for any candidate. I'm talking about the mainstream media, social media, uh, the Democrat Party, you name it. So yeah, let, let me let me just be, before Matt, let me just agree with you on this because he's got a young family, he's got a a wife who's just recovering from health issues, and um, you know he's gonna for him to go through that that assault that'll take place on him and uh, by by uh, by re- incidental reference uh, his family. Um, that, that's a difficult piece of, of uh, a thing to accept yeah. uh, for a young man like Ron DeSantis. So uh, I, you know. Trump has taken the hits. He's shown he can live through it and, and, and flourish. So I think, yes, that is a very positive uh, addendum to the to the, the Trump comments. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's where we are with this thing. It's, no it's going to be an issue, so I think we have to start uh, processing this in terms of its implications, Bob. Andy, just really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Not good to be with you today, Bob, but normally it is. <laughs> okay, thank you, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.